And we want to finish off our Hearing God series today. We've been uh, working through this since November. And uh, we're going to bring this to a close. Next week, we want to jump back into Ephesians. And we're going to spend a few weeks talking about uh, human sexuality and uh, some of the issues we face in our culture, in our own lives. But today we're going to talk about uh, giving and receiving prophetic words. Uh, last message in this series, we talked about prophecy, uh, what that means, what that's about. And today we want to talk about giving and receiving uh, words from God. And so Father, we just pray your blessing over this time. We pray that you would give us ears to hear what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, for those of you who uh, are still a little uh, maybe confused or don't know what the word prophecy means, it's more simple than we think. It's basically repeating what the Holy Spirit has spoken to us about a person, thing, or situation. And we know by now that all of us can hear God. Uh, every single follower of Jesus can hear God. This isn't just for special people or for pastors, that all of us can hear God. And sometimes God will speak to us about another person or about a situation, and that, in essence, is prophecy. It's nothing to be afraid of or freak out over. It's basically hearing God and sharing it uh, when God is speaking to you about another person or another situation. So it's very basic, very simple, and this is why, as we talked about, that every single person can prophesy. You may not have the gift of prophecy, but you can prophesy. Just as you may not have the gift of teaching, but we all need to teach at times, or you may not have the gift of encouragement, but we all need to encourage, all of us can hear God and share it. And God will want to speak uh, through you to other people about situations in their life. Because this is what the church is for. That none of us have a, a direct pipeline to God where God just gives us every, all the information where we don't need each other. We need each other. And one of the reasons prophecy is important is because we need to hear God through other people. Remember this text in Numbers 11 where Moses said, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would put his spirit on them. And we talked about how that wish of Moses, that desire of Moses, or that prophetic word of Moses came true when the Holy Spirit was poured out. Where uh, Peter said, in the last days, and we're in the last days, because that started with the resurrection of Jesus. It says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Uh, God wants to pour out his spirit upon all of us. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young uh, men will see visions, old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And if you are a man or a woman, you can prophesy. That's what Peter is saying. This is part of new covenant living is that not only can we hear God, but there are times when God is going to want to speak to you so that you might bless and encourage another person. And we talked about desiring to prophecy, uh, prophesy. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14 said, pursue love. That's a command. God commands us to pursue love, and I hope we're going to do that. It also says, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. That's another command, that we would earnestly desire to prophesy. And just as we obey the command to love, we are to obey the command to earnestly desire to prophesy so that we might be an encouragement to others around us. 
And it says that as well in verse 39, earnestly desire to prophesy. And again, this is something that all of us can do. God does not say, uh, command us to desire prophecy, but then just say, well, really, I'm only going to give it to a few people. This is a, he commands it because this is something that all of us could do. And that's what we talked about and a whole bunch of other things last message. And I want to talk today about giving and receiving words. And I want to talk about one uh, thing that is often a misconception about prophecy. And that is this idea that when you give a prophecy, that it always has to be 100% perfect. And if you give a prophecy or a word from God to another person, and it's not perfectly accurate, uh, then you're a false prophet. And sometimes you'll see that on the internet. Someone will say, well, look at this person did this prophecy, and it wasn't accurate, and therefore they're a false prophet, and you shouldn't listen to them, and they're a heretic because they prophesied incorrectly. First of all, we need to be very, very careful about using the word false prophet and false teacher. Primarily because those words are never used in the Bible of someone who loves Jesus. Never used as someone who loves Jesus, loves the kingdom, and is surrendered to God. It is used of those who are enemies of the gospel and enemies of Jesus Christ. And often people will throw that out and say, well, there's a Christian over there, but he's a false prophet because they prophesied incorrectly. We've got to be very careful about throwing out that term too lightly. It is only used of those who are enemies of the gospel. Uh, further, as we look at the New Testament, we see clearly that New Testament prophecy is not always going to be perfectly accurate. And this shouldn't be more complicated than, than we think, but, but we just know as individuals that we don't always hear God perfectly. I don't always hear God perfectly. You don't always hear God perfectly. Sometimes we wonder, is that God or is that not God? We did a whole message on how do we know if it's God or not. And so sometimes when we're hearing God for someone else, we're like, is that you or not? And, and we share that for someone else, but we're not always 100% sure if it's accurate. And if it's a little bit off or if it's not accurate, uh, we're not false prophets. We shouldn't be stoned. Uh, I mean, Old Testament prophecy is different than New Testament prophecy. That's a whole different subject. You can read theological articles on that. But to understand that sometimes we will make mistakes in this, and that is okay. We want to do as best as we can to be accurate, but uh, it's not always going to be the case. Just like sometimes when you hear God, you're not always going to hear him perfectly. And this seems to be what it's like in New Testament prophecy. For instance, in 1 Corinthians 14, we see this was just kind of everyday church life for the Corinthian church. Paul said, let two or three prophets speak. And so during their service, and sometimes we have that here, someone will come up and give a prophetic message. They would have two or three people speak. And then it says, let the others weigh what is said. And just implying that not every prophecy is going to be accurate. And this is not saying, well, then you call those people false prophets and you kick them out of your church. No, this is just what happens. When someone shares a prophetic word, the others weigh what it said, because we don't always know fully 100% if it's God or not. Now, sometimes you will, but sometimes you won't. Even the best of prophets in the New Testament were sometimes not perfectly accurate. And if some of the best prophets in the New Testament were not always accurate, then we're going to expect that sometimes we are not going to be perfectly accurate. And we see this laid out in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, it says this about Paul. That Paul resolved in the spirit uh, to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem. So 
Paul was wrestling in the spirit, deciding, is this your will? And he resolved in the spirit, yes, this is God's will for me to go to Jerusalem. God clearly spoke to Paul, just as God wants to speak to you and give you direction. He's giving Paul direction to go to Jerusalem. And this is confirmed. We talked about making sure that if it's risky, what God is saying, you want to have that confirmed. And we see it confirmed. Paul in Acts 20, I am going to Jerusalem constrained or pushed or led. This is clear, Paul said, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. God is leading him to Jerusalem. It's not going to be super comfortable for him there, but God is leading him them. He is clear. God is leading me to Jerusalem. You got that? Now, in Acts chapter 21, they do this little trip, and they end up going to Tyre. And it, stayed, it says they stayed there for seven days, and it says this. And through the Spirit, they, this is the disciples, this is the church, these are people who love Jesus, said this. And through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. When our days were ended, we departed and went on our journey. Through the Spirit, Christians entire were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Through the Spirit. This is probably most clearly words of prophecy. Through the Spirit, they're speaking to Paul. I don't think you should go to Jerusalem. Paul earlier hears from God, I am going to Jerusalem. Now someone's off here. Is it Paul or is it these words of prophecy? And I think as we read through the story, we can be sure, because we know the end of the story, that God was indeed leading Paul to Jerusalem. But these disciples at Tyre were not prophesying 100% correctly. Paul does not call them false prophets. He doesn't call them heretics. He doesn't leave the church and say, you should not be a church anymore. Let's post you on the internet as false teachers and false prophets. He doesn't do that. They keep going on. They just, we're, we're going to Jerusalem. And so, obviously, Paul does not see New Testament prophecy as equal to God's word. Because he actually ignores what they say, and he keeps going to Jerusalem. And this happens again. It says, we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven who stayed with them. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Again, this is normal New Testament Christianity. Four unmarried daughters who prophesied. They could hear God, and they were obviously gifted to share that about other people. While they were staying there for many days, a prophet named Abagus uh, came down from Judea. And if you know earlier, this is a well-known prophet who is known for his accurate prophecies. He is the one who prophesied that there would be a famine to, that would come upon the land, and it did. And so he's a well-known, accurate prophet. And coming to us, this is this prophet, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, thus says the Holy Spirit, and so this is a prophecy, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Now, first of all, this prophecy he sees and he says, this is the word of prophecy. The Jews will bind Paul with his own belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. If we read the rest of the story, this, this prophecy was semi-correct but not perfect. It was not the Jews 
who would bind Paul, but it would be the Romans. The Jews would not deliver Paul and hand him over to the Gentiles. The Jews actually tried to kill Paul. And so this, act, this prophecy by Abagus' well-known prophet was mostly correct, but not fully correct. And all these disciples, including Luke, who is the very author of the book of Acts, tells Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And so what does Paul do? Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, Let the will of the Lord be done. And after these days, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. Paul, again, did not see these words of prophecy as equal to the words of God. Because he, he actually ignores them and says, you know, I'm just not feeling that. I don't think that's what God is saying to me. I'm going to Jerusalem. They, in the end, they tried to persuade him, but they, in the end, they said, let the will of the Lord be done. They weren't like, this is a word from God and you have to do it. Else you're disobeying God. They were like, this is what I'm sensing. Paul's like, no, this is what I'm sensing. And I'm going to do what I feel God is doing. And he goes to Jerusalem. And so we see that these words of prophecy were not 100% accurate. They did not were not as equal to God's word because there was kind of debate over what God was saying and sometimes that will happen in our own lives. Now what is going on here uh, may be this. And whenever a word of prophecy is given, there's also, also, um, often sort of three elements to a prophetic word. There's the revelation from God. There is the, a human interpretation of what God has revealed. Because whenever God speaks to you, you, you just automatically filter that through your humanness. You filter it through your experiences. You filter it through your fears. You, you filter it through your hurts, your expectations. It's just filtered through you. And so there's this interpretation. And then there's an application of what you feel God is saying to you. And so this possibly is maybe what happened here. The disciples at Tyre says, say, uh, that through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And maybe this is what happened. Maybe they saw a revelation. They saw a vision or God spoke to them. And they see Paul being beaten in Jerusalem. They interpret that as, if you go to Jerusalem, you will suffer. Both of those things are correct. They may have received a correct revelation. They interpret it correctly. But their application was probably where they messed up. They applied that saying, well, don't go to Jerusalem. We need to be careful when we, have, we hear God and we have a word that we only share what God has spoken to us. Because we're always tempted to kind of share more because sometimes God will speak to us and we're like, this really doesn't make any sense to me. And so we try to make sense, we try to interpret it and then share it and that's where mistakes can actually be made. Sometimes God will speak to you things that really do not make any sense to you. I mean, I was listening to a uh, thing on uh, Sean Bolts. He's, he's a well-known prophet. He's very accurate. He got a word once, and the word was polka duck, which is super weird. And he says, this is the weirdest thing, and I hope I'm not wrong, but I don't know what this means. Does the word polka duck mean anything to you? And it happened to be the name of someone's business, and God had a word for them. And if he tried to interpret that somehow and, and stretch it, he may have missed it. Do not share more than what God has told you. Abagus, the well-known prophet, 
uh, says the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. It was the Romans who actually bound him. It was the Jews who actually tried to kill him, not deliver him. It was a little off. This is maybe what have happened. Maybe his revelation was he sees uh, Paul being beaten and arrested. And that was accurate. But maybe his interpretation was that the Jews were going to bind Paul because the Jews are the ones who were trying to kill him. But it was actually the Romans who did. And his application was, do not go to Jerusalem. Revelation correct, interpretation, and the application were incorrect. So again, we need to make sure if we feel God speaking, that we only share what we hear from God, no more and no less. And so we will not always prophesy correctly. Uh, we can see this other places in the scriptures. Now, we don't know if this was a prophecy or not. So maybe this is, you know, digging a little too deep. But in Acts 27, Paul says this. Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. He says people are going to die on this ship because they were heading out in, at, at a bad season. That's not what happened. No one actually died in the shipwreck. Even in the Old Testament, where, I mean, you think people got stoned for inaccurate prophecies. Prophets who loved God and loved the kingdom were sometimes wrong, and yet were still treated as prophets. Sam, uh, in Samuel, the king said to Nathan, now he is a well-known prophet who confronted David. Even he wasn't always accurate. The king said to Nathan, the prophet, see, now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, this is a prophecy, go do all that is in your heart for the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. You go build the temple. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? And he goes on and in essence, God says, no, you can't build a house. You can prepare, but you can't build the house. Even Nathan didn't always get it right. You and I will not always get it right. Now, we want to try the best to hear God. We want to be as accurate as possible, but it's not always going to happen. And so one of the reasons is we can mix up revelation, application, interpretation. Sometimes it might be we just don't hear him correctly. Just as you don't always hear God correctly, sometimes I don't hear God correctly. Sometimes when you're giving a word, you're not hearing correctly. And number three... The reason it may not seem um, to be fulfilled is a response on the part of another may keep a prophecy from being fulfilled. You may give a prophecy, and then later on people say, see, it, didn't be, it wasn't fulfilled. It might be because of a response in the heart of that person. We see that in the book of Jonah. Jonah began to go into the city a day's journey, and he called out, this is a prophecy. Forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. His prophecy did not come true. He wasn't called a false prophet. Why? Because of a response in the hearts of the people of Nineveh. They repent, and therefore the prophecy doesn't come true, which is good. Sometimes you'll have a word for somebody, and because of their response, that word may not come true. I mean, maybe uh, there's a person being prayed for, and God has a desire to bless this person with an amazing ministry. And there are words like God wants you to be a teacher to the nations. God is going to use you to impact this world globally. That is God's desire. Those are words of prophecy. And then Satan gets involved in that person's life. 
And let's say they have a, an affair or something. Their ministry is a disaster. And all these people start saying, well, look, their prophecies didn't come true. Well, actually, those were probably true desires of God for that person. But it was a response in that person's heart which caused those words not to become true. And so the reality is when it comes to prophetic words, whether they come true or not is not the best way to judge words of prophecy. There are some better ways, and I'll just go through these really quick because we want to get through this. Um, uh, six tests of a trustworthy prophet. First of all, are they surrendered to Jesus as Lord and King? If not, I'd be suspicious. Are they motivated by love rather than attention? A lot of people like to add to what God has said. They want to be, you know, kind of showy because they're more about attention than really just trying to love the person. Are they willing to listen to others? Beware of those who do not listen to others because they believe God tells them everything. None of us has a perfect pipeline to heaven. We need the church. We need others. Are they willing to receive correction? Beware of those who see correction as persecution. Some people, when you try to correct them, they're like, I'm being persecuted in the name of Jesus. Like, no, actually, you're just wrong. <laughs> right? Uh, we need to be, all of us need to be humble enough to be corrected. I make mistakes. You make mistakes. We need to be willing to be corrected if we want to grow. Uh, are they connected to a local church? Beware of those who are on their own. Uh, do they have a track record of accurate prophetic words? And so there is a place for this that if someone has a track of being very accurate, then that is something that we want to probably hold a little more tightly. And so if you feel you have a message from God for someone, what do you do? Maybe you're in devotions, and I've had this happen where I feel God has given me a scripture verse for somebody. Or maybe uh, you feel that God has a word for someone to encourage them or something about their future. What do you do if you feel God has a word for somebody or about a situation? First step is to ask God what you should do in response to the revelation. Just because God has revealed it to you does not automatically mean you should share it. And some people make big mistakes in this area by sharing stuff that isn't to be shared. Not all prophetic words are to be shared. God spoke words to Daniel, and he said, those are to be sealed up. God spoke to Joseph in a dream, and he should not have shared his dream because it made a big mess for his life, right? The first thing you want to do is, God, am I to share this, or am I just to pray for this? Because sometimes God will reveal something to you about another person's life, and all he is doing is, I want you to be praying for them. I don't want you to be sharing it. We see this in the Bible uh, various times in Amos 7. Uh, the Lord showed the prophet a vision, a prophecy. He was preparing swarms of locusts after the king's share had been harvested and just as the late crops were coming up. And when they had stripped the land clean, so he sees this vision of the land being stripped clean, he doesn't run to the king and share it with the king. What does he do? He prays. Sovereign Lord, forgive. How can Jacob survive? He is so small. So the Lord relented. This will not happen, says the Lord. He did not share the prophecy. He prayed for it, and it didn't happen. Sometimes God may reveal something to you about maybe something difficult going on in someone's life, and all he is saying is, I want you to be in prayer for that person because it actually damaged people if you shared it. So first, am I to share it or to pray for it? And if God says, I want you to share it, the next question you need to ask, should I share it publicly or privately? I've heard at times people share words publicly and it's like, 
man, you really should have done that privately. It's not the place in the church. Now, there are times, like in Corinth, where it says, let two or three prophets speak. Clearly, there is a place for prophetic words to be shared. I mean, even a couple weeks ago, we had Gary come up and have everybody stand because he felt God wanted to heal someone here. And then there was a word about someone who had something traumatic at age four or five. Both of those tremendously impacted someone. They are very accurate. There's a place for public prophecy. But not all of them should be shared pub- uh, publicly because some people get very offended or embarrassed and it should be done privately. So first question, what should you do with it? Uh, secondly, you want to be courageous. It's risky <laughs> to share something with somebody because sometimes you're like, I don't really know if this is you or not. And if you chicken out, you miss out on what God could do. I mean, imagine a couple of weeks ago, Gary chickened out. He said, well, maybe, you know, two people were tremendously impacted by that, would have missed out on what God was doing. And so be courageous, Step, take a risk. You want to embody the fruit of the Spirit as you share. I'll read James 3. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. This is how your prophetic word should sound. This is how your demeanor should be. Uh, You don't overpower people, freak people out. It should be very loving, very gentle, filled with the fruit of the Spirit, embodying the wisdom that comes from above. You want to be willing to receive feedback because that's what the Bible says. And if someone says, you know, that's just not ringing true with me, don't go like, you know, say, well, tell me. Uh, Work at it because we want to grow. Now, lastly, if someone comes to you with a word, of prophecy. What if you're sitting in the church and someone comes up to you and says, you know, I feel God wants to say something to you. How do you respond? First of all, do not despise prophecy. We've talked about this. This is a biblical command. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy. Don't roll your eyes. Don't go, man, I've had this happen before and I was abused and it's just horrible. Just get away from me. Don't do that. That's, that's breaking a command of God. Don't despise prophecy. And a lot of times we do that because sometimes we may have been hurt. And we talked about that, that just because something's abused doesn't mean we throw it out. It means we've got to use it correctly. That's why we're talking about this. Uh, but don't despise it. Be open. Because again, you do not have a full, perfect pipeline to heaven. You really, really do need other Christians. And God really does speak to you through other believers. And if you despise prophecy, you will never see the full picture of what God wants to show you. You just will not. So don't despise it. Be open to it. You want to test it. That's what it says. Do not despise prophecy, but test it. Does it line up with God's word? Is it a kind of fitting with what the Holy Spirit is telling me? Uh, and if it's not, then maybe just give some feedback. You know, I, I was kind of feeling God was showing me this. And then you can pray into it together. I mean, you don't freak out and get angry. You just, let's, let's try to seek God's will together. And then you want to record it and write it down. Because sometimes you'll forget. If you have a chance, if someone says, hey, I got a word for you, say, hey, I'm going to pull up my phone. I want to record it. That's the best way you can do it. Because then you know what they said. Because sometimes people will give you a word and it won't actually come true for years. I mean, I have some words that have been spoken over to me, and I'm still 
holding on to them because I haven't seen them happen yet. And they seem biblical. They seem to line up with what God is doing, but I haven't seen them yet. There's others. I've had people give words over this church and over us as we talked about a couple weeks ago that have taken like a year or two. But then they just automatically, they're like, wow, that was exactly what God said. And I was prepared because I wrote it down. If you don't write it down, you'll forget it. And if you don't write it down, you will miss out on seeing like, wow, God really spoke to me about that all year ago. That's amazing. Write every one down and just record them, pray over them, pull them out. Maybe when you're discouraged and read through them, it's important that you write them down and record them. And that was all I had to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> Forrest Gump said that, Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, we're going to celebrate some baptisms, and so uh, we're going to hear some testimonies, and then we're going to bring people over and uh, baptize them. So God, we just pray that your Holy Spirit make this time a celebration, a time of celebration. Uh, God, we thank you for uh, those who were baptized last week, and we continue to pray blessing, encouragement, and strength over them. And God, we pray for those who will be baptized today that your Holy Spirit would reign strong in their lives. God, that you would fill them to uh, even more full, God, today with your Spirit. And God, that you would be with them as they take this step of faith today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, and I'm going to invite our uh, good friend Chris McDonald up here. Yeah, Chris. Don't get me started with those guys. It's just unbelievable. And I thought the Canucks were having a bad year, but <laughs> my testimony starts about two years ago. I've been coming here for about four or five years now. And two years ago, almost to the date, everything went to Kabui. Um, my body gave out, and I was flown to VGH, DOA, and uh, it's been a long struggle. And just as I'm getting out of spending pretty much a year in the hospital, praying I can get out of here, and Jesus gave me the strength to pull through what the doctors have already written me off. And I come home, and my best friend and longtime buddy, two weeks uh, I get out of the hospital, he passed on. You may have remembered Wolf, and uh, that was just another punch. I just, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Emotionally, I was bankrupt, but I kept praying, and I'm here today, so I got to struggle on. It's a whole new life. It's a whole new chapter. Uh, I just got to go, keep going forward. And Jesus is going to be with me. Uh, wow. And he's helped me get through this ordeal for the last two years. He's kind of like my right-hand man now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. It's been an uh, interesting couple of years for me. But I'm coming back. And I'm going to bring the Canucks up with me, too. <laughs> Thank you. 
All right. And believe it or not, we have our good buddy, Calvin, who's going to be heading off to Kenya, is going to be baptized today. He was baptized as a baby, and uh, he wants to be baptized as an adult in, in our church before he heads off to Kenya. So come share how you met Jesus, Calvin. All right. Yes, up, y'all. Um, huh, okay. Uh, let's give it up for Jesus, guys. Yeah, that guy is it. So cool. I uh, I grew up in a Catholic family, and um, I was baptized as a baby. And, um, yeah, I served at the church for a while. Uh, when, I, when I was in high school, that was, uh, I was a, sort of like a jack-of-all-trade kind of kid. I was good in almost every sport. And, and so that was my gifting. And I was very social. I also did drama. And uh, after high school, I just wanted to keep on acting. And uh, a couple of friends of mine went to a church. It was an Anglican church, actually. And uh, I started going to that church just for the drama's sake of it all. And uh, I loved girls, so there was better girls in that church, too. Um, so, <laughs> hey, it was cool. Thought. So, yeah, and we did drama. And one time, we had an opportunity to go to a girls' high school to go do a skit. You know, and the skit was based on the farmer who went and sow some seeds, the parable of the sower. And I actually played that role of that first level of seeds that fell along the path. And the birds of the air came and net them up. And uh, I did that role so very well. My director thought, you know, just because I was a good actor, I could take that role because it, it, it had a lot to do. But for me, that was actually the life I was living, you know. And um, so there was this preacher man who came up and, uh, you know, preached after we did the skit. And he made an altar call. There's a lot of that in Africa, making an altar call. People, when they accept Jesus, they come forward and then they are prayed for and all that. I was just so shy at a girl's high school, having been doing drama for a long time and people getting saved and I'm not in. I was ashamed. I prayed that believer's prayer at the back there. And uh, when we left, I told a friend of mine, and uh, I told him that I got saved, and he kept giving me countdowns. To date, we still give each other countdowns. He goes, I give you two weeks, Calvin, I know you. <laughs> I give you two months, Calvin, I know you. So it's become like a game for us for just uh, being accountable to each other. So, and uh, yeah, I joined the ministry. And I served at a youth camp for all these years until I met Nicole, and then we got the opportunity to come here. And right now, to do baptism again for me 
is just looking back and saying, God, I did it. And that was true when I prayed that prayer. And I am testifying this not only to him publicly, but to let you guys know that he is so much alive and where he is leading me right now into the ministry to go do the work of an evangelist, I know that God reigns. And, and it's my public cry that all will know him. Amen. Thank you, Jesse.